All right, hey, before fall break, we started this series uh, that is focusing on what we call, what in the church we call the Beatitudes, right? And the Beatitudes are a small section at the beginning of Jesus's most famous sermon he ever gave. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. You can find it in Matthew chapter 5. But essentially, when you read these verses, right, Jesus says, blessed are those who blank. Like, you fill in the blank, right? There's eight or nine different things that Jesus says, hey, if you want to live a life that is blessed, right, a life that is happy, a life that is fulfilled, you need to do these different things. And we started to talk about how when we, when we read them, it gets a little confusing for us because it's not exactly what we would believe leads to a life that would be happy and fulfilled. And so last, uh, two weeks ago, we started off and we talked about how Jesus says, hey, blessed are those who are, what was the word? Anyone remember? Meek. meek. Good job. And, and when we unpacked it, right, we learned that meekness, right, to be meek means to be content with who God made you to be. And we talked about the killers of meekness, right? The things that get in our way from being content in life, right? And we talked about how culture, right, tells us, hey, you need the next best thing. You always need to be better and do better and get the next best thing in order to be happy and fulfilled. But Jesus says, hey, if you want to live a life that is blessed, I need you to be content with who I made you to be. I need you to stop comparing yourself to other people. I need you to stop being jealous of the person sitting next to you and jealous of what they have. And I need you to trust me with what I have given you. So tonight, we're going to unpack another one of the Beatitudes. And we're going to look at verses 10 and 11 in chapter 10 of Matthew. It's there at the top of your, uh, your notes, so follow along. If you don't have notes, you can quietly get some off the back table. But read this along with me. It'll be on the screen too. Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. It says, God blesses those who are, what's that word? Persecuted. Circle that. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you, underline that, and persecute you, and lie about you, and say all sorts of evil things because you are my followers. Man, Jesus here gives us another word, another way that we need to live, another lifestyle, another Blessed are those who are, and he says, blessed are those who are persecuted. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't exactly want to live a life of persecution. And maybe you don't know what the word persecution or persecute or persecuted means. So let me give you a short little definition of what it means to be persecuted. Right? It means to insult, to shame to treat unfairly, or to make fun of. Now, I don't know about you, but I try to do everything in my power to avoid being made fun of. Any of you just go into school and say, hey, today I really just want to be made fun of today. None of us. Right? We do our best to blend in. But Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted. Here's what I want you to do. I want, close your eyes for a minute. Everyone close your eyes. And I want you to just imagine something. 
I want you to imagine at your school that there's a, another student that brings their Bible to school every day. And they, they read it at lunch, right? Picture, the, picture this student in your mind. You're in the lunchroom, this student sitting there with their Bible. Maybe it's their Bible app, right? And they're sitting there at lunch reading their Bible. And they know that with school and with homework, with sports or whatever else they're doing after school, that lunch is really the only time that they have to read their Bible and to study it. So you've got this student. Now I want you to imagine that there's another group of students at lunch too. And this group of students insults them. This group of students makes fun of them. They call this student weird and stupid. They call him a, a Jesus freak. They throw food at him, and during lunch, they even try to, to steal their Bible or phone, and other students start laughing and joining in. They think it's funny, and so they start making fun of him too. Now, I don't know how you're feeling, but you, you might be sitting across the lunchroom feeling maybe sorry for this kid, like, man, like that really stinks. But I want you to imagine that you're this student. You're the student at lunch, and you're being made fun of because of your faith in Jesus Christ. What would you do? Just think about this. What would you do? How would you react? Would you keep reading your Bible at lunch, or would you try to blend in? Maybe it's not at lunch. Maybe it's you can look up, right? Maybe it's not at lunch. Maybe it's on the sports field. Or maybe it's backstage before your theater production, right? At some point in your life, right, you have a choice of, am I going to live a life for Christ or am I going to try to blend in? Am I going to try to, to fit in because of the way people will treat me if they know that I'm different? Right? Most of us, Right, if we find ourselves in a situation where people are, are making fun of us or insulting us or mocking us, right, most of us would probably try to stop whatever is causing them to make fun of us. Right, that's our natural instinct. Our natural instinct is to stop those things. So honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if, if you were that student where you said, you know, I'm just... I'm going to wait till I get home to read my Bible. Even though I know I don't have time, I'll just wait till I get home. Or you know what? Yeah, on the sports field, I, I try to set the example in the way that I talk and speak, but eh, everyone else is cussing, so I'll just join in and I'll just do it too. And, and I'll just insult other people and whatever. I, I'm just going to do whatever it takes to fit in and blend in so that people don't make fun of me. People... Man, they don't really know that I'm a Christian, and that's okay, because it's my personal faith with Jesus, right? No one else really needs to know. Whatever it takes for me not to be made fun of. But Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are those who are made fun of. Blessed are those who are shamed. Blessed are those who are mocked because of me. Jesus says that you are blessed when people make fun of you for being a follower of Jesus. Now, again, this doesn't really make sense to us. You know, when I think back uh, to, in my own life, uh, I can think of several times in my life where I walked this scenario. Uh, even to this day, right? 
Uh, if, if I'm having a conversation with someone, right? Elizabeth and I, we just moved down to Castle Rock, bought a new house. We're moving into our house. And I'm meeting the neighbor across the street. Yeah, some of you might have heard this. I don't know. Cooper apparently has. And I'm talking to the guy across the street, and he's like dropping the F-bomb and all this stuff in our conversation. He goes, oh, by the way, what do you do for work? I was like, yeah, I'm a pastor. He goes, oh. And he completely changed the way that he acted. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, this is kind of something that I'm self-conscious of. Because I don't always want to be treated differently, right? The same way that you don't want to be treated differently, right? You want to fit in. You don't want people to treat you differently because of something you like or something you do. And for a while, though, I would just not say anything, right? Uh, someone said, hey, what do you do? Oh, I just I work with students. I said, oh, you're a teacher? Oh, yeah, something like that. That's what I used to say because I, was, I just wanted to fit in. And I was, I was honestly kind of afraid of what would people say if they knew who I really was, who I really followed. When I was in college, I wouldn't even tell people that I wanted to be a youth pastor. Because honestly, people would look at me and go, that's stupid. That's what people would tell me. But guys, like you're walking this line too every day that you're in school. Do you fit in with everyone else, or do you live for Christ and be different? That's the decision you have to make. And Jesus doesn't shy away from it. He says, look, yeah, you'll probably be made fun of a little bit for following me. I've also told you a story about a girl that I went to high school with who, again, I went to a, a Christian school. And we would make fun of her because of the faith that she had in Jesus. We, to- we just thought she was too Jesus-y. Not a thing. You can't be too on fire for Jesus. But we made fun of her because of it. But she never stopped. She never stopped following Jesus. So how, right, if Jesus is saying that we become blessed when we're made fun of, we're mocked, we're shamed, we're persecuted for following him, how could this possibly lead to living a life that is blessed? So for the next couple of minutes, I want to I give you three things that persecution does. Three things that being made fun of for Jesus will do that will lead you to living a life that is happy, a life that is fulfilled, a life that is blessed. Because what Jesus says is he, he, he doesn't just talk about it in these few passages, these few verses. He talks about it all through Scripture. So I want to give you three things. The first thing that persecution does is persecution exposes our loyalty. Persecution will expose your loyalty. Right? You know what it means to be exposed. Right? For, for someone to be exposed means for people to tell who they really are. Right? If you expose your friend, right, and you expose him to be this gossiping person, right? Like you know truly how good of a friend they really are. Maybe you've been exposed before. I don't know. But what persecution does is it exposes who we're loyal to, especially in the moment. And it exposes how loyal we really are to said person. Right? Maybe you've heard the story of Peter, right? When Jesus is arrested before he's crucified on the cross, a couple of people come up to Peter and they say, hey, do you know this Jesus guy? And you're like, no, sure don't. 
Why? Because he was afraid of being persecuted. He's seeing what they're doing to Jesus. And he's afraid that they'll do something to him. And so he goes, nope. In that moment, Peter's loyalty to Jesus was exposed. How loyal Peter was to Jesus was exposed, right? All through the New Testament, all through the gospel, Peter is this really, seems to be this really loyal person to Jesus. But now we know there's a line that Peter's not willing to cross for Jesus, right? And that line is, hey, like once people are about to do something to me, like I'm out, bro, I'm out. As long as it's easy and cool, like count me in. But once it's getting difficult, I'm out. But Jesus says something else in the gospels. He says, you have to take up your cross daily and follow me. Now, to the people that Jesus was speaking this to, right, this meant that every day as a follower of Jesus, you have to be willing to go through difficulty. But you have to be willing to do that for Jesus. And so we ask ourselves, like, how far am I really willing to go for Jesus? Ask yourself that. How far are you really willing to go for Jesus? How loyal are you? Right? When, when things get difficult, when, when you're faced with maybe someone making fun of you for being a Christian, what are you going to do? What are you going to do in that moment? Now, here's what we know about Jesus. When Jesus was faced with persecution, when Jesus was faced with difficulty and hardship, you know what he did for you? He went to the cross. He went through with it. He didn't back down. He stayed loyal to you. And so the question we ask ourselves is, are we fully committed to Jesus? Are we fully committed to Jesus? Because if we're not, the moment we even get a whiff of persecution, we'll bail out. We'll bail out. And if we bail out, we're going to miss what Jesus truly has in store for us. Guys, the relationships that I have today are some of the best ones I've ever had in my life. And people know who I truly am. Right? Like it's a genuine relationship. There's no fakeness there. Why? Because I'm not afraid for people to know who I truly am. Right? I, I, the girl I went to high school with. I guarantee you she was one of the happiest people at our school. Why? Because she had a deep, committed relationship with Jesus. She wasn't afraid of it. She didn't care what people said. And she went through with it. She was willing to be made fun of for Jesus. You have to ask yourself, are you fully committed to Jesus? Second thing persecution does is persecution creates an opportunity. Persecution creates an opportunity. I want to read another passage of scripture for you. It's in Matthew chapter 10. It's there on your notes as well. This is verses 16 uh, through 22. Matthew 10, 16 through 22. Listen to what Jesus says here. Jesus is speaking. He says, look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. So be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. But beware, for you will be handed over to the courts and will be flogged with whips in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. Let's pause right there for a second. 
Jesus is saying that as a Christian in this world, you will face difficulty. But this next word shifts the whole perspective. He says, but this will be your what? Opportunity. Opportunity. Underline that. This will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. When you're arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking. It will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. Right? So Jesus says that persecution, hardship in our life creates an opportunity. Right? He says that it creates an opportunity for us to share our faith. But it creates an opportunity for you to share your faith through your response to persecution. How you respond when you face hardship will create an opportunity. Right? When we stay committed, right? when we are made fun of for our faith, and we stay committed to Jesus, people begin to ask the question, why? Right? When, when I was in high school, we're all making fun of this girl, we're like, why is she so committed to Jesus, even though we're making fun of her? Why? Right? People begin to ask, why are you willing to be made fun of for this guy that lived 2,000 years ago? Right? Why don't you fight back? Why don't you insult people back? Why are you so committed to Jesus? And it's in that moment when your response to hardship is commitment that you can begin to share your faith. And you can begin to share how important Jesus is in your life. Here's what we know is that Jesus' sacrifice created an opportunity for you and for me to receive salvation. Right? Jesus' response when faced with going to the cross created an opportunity for you to receive salvation. Now just picture this. When faced with hardship and persecution, what if Jesus' response was not, I'm out? Guess what? No salvation. Right? His response there is what creates the opportunity. Now, here's what we also know, is that sacrificing your popularity, you sacrificing your popularity could create an opportunity for someone else to find Jesus. If for a moment we said, you know what? It's okay if someone makes fun of me for my faith. I'm going to stay committed to Christ. In that moment, you're creating an opportunity for someone else to ask the question of, why would you do that? And it creates an opportunity for you to share your faith and for someone else to find Jesus. Guys, we have two more students tonight getting baptized, and it's completely awesome. But let me tell you something. Their faith started through an opportunity. Someone shared their faith. Someone in their life was committed to Christ enough that they began to think through it for themselves. And someone else's response created an opportunity for them to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior in their life. 
But it started with a response. It started with an opportunity. And so, again, we ask ourselves a question. Are you willing to risk your popularity to share Jesus? Are you? Are you willing to be made fun of if it means sharing Jesus with other people? And I think this is a really hard question that we need to be honest. right? We don't need to just say yes because that's, we're in church and that's the answer you feel like you should say. Like, but be honest with yourself. If you go to school tomorrow and you start reading your Bible at lunch and people make fun of you, what's your reaction going to be? Are you willing to be different in order to share Christ with somebody else? We have to ask ourselves that honestly. And as we do this, we get to the third thing that persecution does. And this is where I truly believe that Jesus begins to bless us. What happens through persecution is persecution strengthens our faith. Because there's something really interesting that happens. right? When we're being made fun of for Jesus, when we're being persecuted... It makes us rely on Christ. When other people push us away because of Jesus, Jesus says, that's okay, come close to me. And that is where the blessing happens. Right? The blessing happens not when we're in the world, but we're, when we're in a close relationship with Jesus. And we can't be close to Jesus if we're close to the world. You have to be willing to be pushed away by the world in order to be drawn in by Jesus. We look at Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament. I don't know if you knew this, but most of what he wrote, he wrote in prison. Right? There's story after story of Paul being taken outside of the city and beaten within an inch of his life, st stones thrown at him, whips being hurled at him. Right, dude's being beaten and thrown in prison for Jesus. And you know what? He says, bring it on. Bring it on. Right, Paul at one point is in prison and he sees it as such an opportunity to share Jesus with everyone else in the prison that the whole prison comes to know Jesus. Paul was one of the most blessed people to ever walk this earth, but he was also one of the most heavily persecuted people to walk this earth. And so what we begin to see is even when we look at Paul's life is as we rely on Christ and allow Jesus to strengthen our faith, we begin to live a life that is blessed. I just want you to consider something for a moment. Why is it that this is also true for people around the world today? Right? It wasn't just true for Paul. It is true for people all around the world did you know that Christianity is growing everywhere in the world except for one place? You know where that place is? America. America. It's growing everywhere else but America. It's actually declining in America. Christianity is growing in China, where people are thrown in prison and killed for Jesus. It is growing in Africa, where people are thrown in prison and killed for Jesus. It is growing in Afghanistan where people are being thrown in prison and killed for Jesus. So why is Christianity growing everywhere else but America? Could it be that we're just comfortable in America and we don't see the need to rely on Jesus? And in these places where hardship and persecution 
is crazy, and it's real for these people, that they've come to a place where they rely on Jesus and they're living lives that are blessed and fulfilled, where it doesn't matter, you can come do whatever you want to me, I've got Jesus. What would it look like, honestly, for you to be that student, right, who is unashamed of the gospel, who is unashamed of their relationship with Jesus, who is unashamed to lead other people to Christ, to create that opportunity. But the final question that you have to ask yourself is, do you actually want a deeper relationship with Jesus? Because that's something only you can answer. I can't answer that for you. Do you want a deeper relationship with Jesus? If the answer is yes, then a decision has to be made to fully live for Christ. And guys, Jesus is very clear that a committed life to Christ will bring blessings and fulfillment, but it's going to bring hardship and persecution. So what if you were that student? What if? How could this world, how could your school, how could the, this state and this community change if you decided to be one student who led another student to Christ? Now there's two of you. And it goes from there. Guys, y'all could change the world for Jesus if you decided to be that one student. If each of you said, hey, tomorrow when I go to school, I'm going to make a commitment to live for Christ and be that light in my school. I'm going to set the example and lead other people to Jesus. The difference you could make is crazy. So the takeaway is, hey, when we are committed to Christ, he fulfills us. He blesses us. That's who he is. But Jesus will only fulfill you when you go to him and you turn from the world. Guys, we've talked about this week after week. If you want to live for Jesus, you can't live for the world too. You have to make a choice. And I'm so excited tonight that we can celebrate two students who have said, hey, I'm making a decision to live for Christ. I'm not going to live for the world. I'm going to live for Jesus. And so here in just a minute, after I pray, we're going to celebrate two baptisms. And we'll talk about that more in just a second. Let's pray real quick. God, I'm just so thankful for your word, for your love. Lord, these are some pretty hard, hard words to follow. Blessed are those who are persecuted. God, if we're being honest, we, we don't exactly want to be made fun of. We kind of want to be popular and we kind of want to fit in. So Jesus, help us to set our, our worldly and earthly desires aside so that we can live lives that are fully committed to you. So that we can live lives that are blessed by you. God, I thank you for the love that you have for these students. God, I pray that if there's any student here tonight that doesn't have a relationship with you or that you would just show up in their life in such a powerful way that they have no option but to admit that you are real, that you are God, and to accept you into their life. So Jesus, as we go through the rest of this night, Lord, I pray that you would bless our time and challenge us to go deeper into your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.
All right, I'm going to ask uh, Niall and Stella to come stand over here on the side, take your shoes off, just get ready. Guys, uh, some of y'all were here uh, the beginning or end of, yeah, end of September when we had some baptisms. Some of you weren't, so I just want to remind you what baptism is. Right, baptism is an outward expression where we say, hey, I believe in Jesus and I want everyone else to know about it. Right, I'm going public with my faith. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. And when other people look at me, I want them to associate me with Jesus. And so that's what these guys are doing tonight. That's what Niall and Stella are doing. They're saying, hey, I've made a decision to follow Jesus. I, I believe in him. I believe that he died for my sins on the cross and rose from the grave. He forgave me of my sins. and He's Lord of my life. And they're saying, hey, I want each and every one of you to know about it. So if you aren't here, let me let you know. Let, let me let you in on how we do things here. All right, scripture says that in heaven, when one person comes to Christ and is baptized, there is a party in heaven. And I want us to rival that party. Y'all like to party? I like to party. So here's what I want you to do. When, when they come up out of the water, I want you to get loud. I want you to celebrate, go crazy, but not too crazy. Like, don't spill anything. We all need more milkshakes on the chairs. Yeah, too late. That makes two. You ready? All right, buddy. Niall, we are uh, so proud of you. So proud of the decision that you've made to place your faith and trust in Jesus. Because of your faith and trust in Jesus, Niall, we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You're buried with Christ in baptism and you're raised to walk in the newness of life. up just a little bit. There you go. You don't want to hit your head. Stella, we are so proud of you and the decision that you've made to follow Jesus. Because of your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You're buried with Christ in baptism and you're raised to walk in the newness of life. Guys, this is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. This is why we come to church. We, we come to church to grow in our faith to, so that we can come to a place where we say, hey, I, I trust, I place my faith in Jesus. And we do it so that other people around us can come to know him too, so that we can go out and create the opportunity for more people to come to know Jesus. And maybe you're in a place where you say, hey, I believe in Jesus and it's time for me to go public with my faith. 
come talk to us. We're doing baptisms again at the end of November and we'd love for you to be a part of that. Guys, there's something to be said about going public with your faith of saying, hey, I'm unashamed of other people knowing that I'm a follower of Jesus. Let's pray real quick. God, we thank you for Stella and for Niall. God, we pray your blessings over them. We thank you for the work that you're doing in their life. We thank you for this moment, Lord, that you have called them to, that you have led them to, where they have said, Jesus, I believe in you. I place my trust and my faith in you. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. So God, I pray that they would remember this moment as they walk through life, that they would remember your goodness, your love that you have for them, your mercy and your grace. Remind them of the forgiveness of their sins that you died for. And God, if there's any other students in this room who need that relationship, God, I pray that you would meet them where they're at. Lord, I pray that they would be unafraid to come talk to a leader and say, I want to know more. And God, if they're in this place where they're ready to take this next step, Lord, I pray that they'd be unafraid to go to a leader and say, it's my turn. It's my turn. So Jesus, thank you. We love you and we give you all the praise. In your name we pray, amen.